Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello everyone and welcome to the SCN NBA podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Tyler, and across the desk from me, as always, is Luke Sakari. What's going on, buddy? Not much, Christos. It's been a big basketball day. I've spent all day on this 30-degree day in Melbourne inside watching basketball. You're a loser, but I love it. <laughs> so I love the sunshine, if you can tell. Absolutely. Mate. And on the phone with us, he can't join us today because he's at work, but he's so dedicated that he's managed to slip out. Hopefully, his uh, manager doesn't find out that he's, uh, he's in the closet talking to us right now. But Chris, uh, Chris De Silva, what's going on, buddy? Nah, nah, I'm missing you guys, man. I've, I've got massive uh, FOMO, fear of missing out. But, uh, <laughs> so I had to, to step up out of work and uh, join my crew. It's respect. <laughs> Absolutely, respect. mate. So what we wanted to start off by talking about, you You wanted to uh, have a bit of a, a, a take on the LeBron James-Phil Jackson rift at the moment when Phil Jackson referred to LeBron and his group as a posse. LeBron came out and had some pretty strong comments. So because we only got you for seven minutes, we'll jump straight in there. Before we listen to your yep. take, though, we've got what LeBron actually said in response to Phil Jackson's comments. So this is what LeBron had to say in response to Phil Jackson referring to uh, LeBron's crew as his posse. I had nothing but respect for him as a coach. For what he was able to do, obviously, at the helm of one of the my favorite player of all time, MJ, and also been there growing up and watching with the Lakers, but uh, I got a nine for him. To, to use that label, and uh, if you go and read the definition of what the word posse is, it's, uh, it's, it's not what I've built over my career. It's not what I stand for. It's not what my family stands for. And uh, I believe the only reason he used that word is to see young African-Americans trying to make a difference. So there's LeBron there for you. And the, and the biggest part at the end is where he says, I think he said that because he sees an African-American trying to make a difference. There's a pretty pretty strong comments there from LeBron. Chris, what do you reckon? Yeah, it is. Um, it's obviously in a time where in America right now, it's, it's pretty, uh, uh, how should I say, uh, it's a touchy top, topic is uh, race with, with the election obviously last week. And we um, saw that LeBron was a very staunch supporter of Hillary Clinton as well, yeah. being at her rallies, all that sort yeah. of stuff. So he's a heavy Clinton supporter. Yeah. So, I mean, when I heard it, I I don't think Phil Jackson meant it in a, in a racial uh, manner, but at the same time, I feel like he was trying to be uh, demeaning without, without being racist, if that makes sense. And it's not the first uh, time he's used the word as well. He used it in one yeah. of his one of his books as well. Yeah, he used it. Uh, Rachel Nichols from the Jump uh, mentioned that he used it in a 2004 book um, where he talked about how uh, LeBron was really uh, a bright uh, kid with a bright future. However, he didn't believe that uh, a 19 year old should be in the NBA uh, due to the quote unquote posse's. Um, but I, I just found it. I mean, I'm siding with LeBron on this. Um, I think purely everyone's starting with the problem. Yeah. yeah, just purely because these guys have gone so far beyond the posse. Um, when we talk, when you talk about a posse, you're talking about guys who are, you know, hanging on, leeching for money and and fame or whatnot. But 
yeah, LeBron uh, em- empowered these guys. Uh, his uh, uh, friends in Maverick, uh, Rich and Randy. Um, but after that emp- empowerment, they've gone on to create their own empires, you know. So um, Maverick Carter handles all of his uh, business dealings in LA and you've got Rich Paul, who's one of the uh, best uh, player agents in the league at the moment, who in the past three summers has not lost a negotiation with the team, whether you're talking about Eric Bledsoe with the Suns or uh, Tristan Thompson with the Cavs or J.R. Smith uh, this this summer uh, as recently. So calling them a posse, like, it's a bit disrespectful to what those guys have done and, and what they have achieved um, over the span of, uh, what, 14 years now that LeBron has been in the league. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just thought it was a... It was a Disrespectful on, on Phil's part, um, and yeah, uh, LeBron and, and his crew have a have a right to be upset about it. It's hard to believe for me that there wasn't meant to be a negative connotation for those comments towards LeBron because of the fact that this is someone who spent just about his entire life within the NBA, spending his time around these black athletes. He knows what certain words mean and knows certain things have negative connotations, certain things don't. I think he kind of knew he's what not, those what, the impact of those words would be. I don't think he's as naive as some people are making him out to be after these comments. What do you think? Is that is that Phil? You mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Phil's had a history of kind of he takes subtle digs at people around the league, and because he's so revered, he can kind of get away with it. Um, but this time, he's kind of barking up the wrong tree with uh, LeBron James, um, who's arguably one of the if not the most powerful uh, figure in the league right now. Um, so, again, like, I don't think Phil was meaning to be racist. I think mean, uh, that's probably going a bit too far. However, he was meaning to definitely drag him down, which is, I think, what uh, LeBron, uh, LeBron Maverick, Rich, and Randy are kind of upset about right now is because they've put in so much work. And you mentioned LeBron James and so much of what he does and so much of his greatness is because of what he does off the court. Um, obviously, with his uh, LeBron James Family Foundation, uh, he donated $41 million towards uh, sending kids in uh, underprivileged uh, situations uh, through college. So, I mean, we haven't seen someone like that, uh, whether in the NBA or in any sport, period. Um, so to kind of put down the work of those guys... Uh, by calling him a posse, I felt was uh, very disrespectful. And I would hope that Phil Jackson kind of looks in the mirror and he can see his mistake and hopefully uh, apologise publicly. And I think that that, that that what I can I can't really see straight about this situation is you mentioned it there, Chris. I mean, after all LeBron has done with his foundation and the college kids and helping the the kids in Akron and Ohio and things of that nature. But then he still gets people putting this criticism on top of him. Like, I just, I I can't understand why people still feel obliged to go and say those things, whether he meant it or not, like, in a, in a racial way, so beside the point. The fact that he still went out of his way in mid-November when his team is struggling to make those comments about LeBron after everything LeBron has done positively positively in the community. Like, we're not talking about on the basketball court, but just in the yeah. community. I find it a bit mind-boggling. Yeah, and you talk about LeBron, he's 
you know, he was a child star, basically. He's been in the national spotlight since he was, what, 15 years old. And mm. you, look at, you look at child stars in Hollywood, almost all of them have had some sort of mishap throughout, throughout their careers. This guy's worst mistake has been an ESPN special. I mean, if you think about that, he's been in the national spotlight for almost 20 years now, and he's his worst mistake. And he mentioned it in that in that press conference where you uh, got the audio from that. Um, no matter what he does, people are kind of instead of trying to help him uh, continue to uh, do things off the court, they're always trying to drag him down. And I think, um, yeah, it's. It's just a bit sad for, for my part. That's what I've always said about LeBron. It is amazing that not the, not just the fact that he's managed to live up to all the hype that he had as a as a young kid, but that he's he's actually managed to steer clear of a lot of things that not just Hollywood stars, but even basketball players who are touted as superstars from such a young age yeah. have gone yeah. through. And I don't want to go into the specifics of, as to who's done what and all that sort of stuff. But yeah. he's managed to stay on the, the, the straight and narrow path his entire career that we know of, but I'm not going to suggest that he's, he's done anything wrong at all. He's been yeah. the perfect role model for everyone in the basketball community, for all these young kids who want to aspire to be something better. LeBron has been the perfect role model for them to, to look up to. So it is a bit strange that certain people are trying to keep, they just keep trying to put him down. It just doesn't make sense to me because out of everyone in the entire basketball community, He's the one that I think has one of the most unblemished records. And it's crazy as yeah. well because you mentioned there, Chris, about the um, the ESPN special when he announced his decision to go to Miami. Like, him doing that still raised money for boys and girls clubs across exactly. America. So, like, yeah. you say the worst thing he's done is that. When we look back at it now, you think, you know what? At the end of the day, that was positive, like, in a way. So, yeah. it's just, like, uh, he's... It's pretty rare to find someone with this much um, attention placed on him just to be so well-mannered and behaved. Like, it, it, it's pretty incredible. I found it funny that um, I think it was on SportsCenter with um, Carrie Champion and Amin Al-Hassan, but Steven Jackson was on there and he was talking about how LeBron handles these kind of manners so well. And uh, Steven Jackson was like, I wish I was on the bronze team so I could handle this the wrong way and say something else. <laughs> uh, which I, I found hilarious because um, I can imagine what Steven Jackson thinks about it. <laughs> Mate, we'll let you get back to work. Where, where are you hiding at the moment? How, how are you trying to avoid the manager? I've, I've gotten, I've faked a toilet break and I've gone <laughs> into my car. <laughs> <laughs> you must be really sick if you've been on the toilet for this long. Mate. We'll let you get back to it anyway, but uh, thanks for joining Sorry. us. You'll be back in the Sorry, studio boys. next week. Thank you, Chris. Yes, I will. No See all right, Luke, before we move on to our starting five, which we started last week, we just wanted to quickly touch on the teams that need to hit the panic button at the moment. We're now a couple of weeks into the season. Our um, our sample size is a bit larger than it was last week. Which teams to you do you think should really start to uh, to, to stress out a little bit if you're a fan of those teams? Um, I think, I mean, you've got the obvious ones. Like, you can look at the Pelicans, but we all know their circumstances they're in. Mavs. Um, Dallas have been injury struck as well. I didn't... I mean, their roster isn't even great to begin with, even if they are fully healthy. But we what, still had the, what did you have them at the start of the um, year, by the way, Dallas? I had them... I feel th- like I One of these teams still that you can't them. really... I feel like I, I still had, like had them off. in the playoffs because yeah. they're that type of team where, like, they just got in. No I matter what. I didn't want to write them off until... They had a shit year. Right. And they had They're one of those... It's like the Spurs. Remember there was a, the Spurs a couple of years ago, everyone kept writing them off and they kept winning? Dallas was one of those teams where you just couldn't say they weren't going to make the playoffs until they missed the playoffs. Well, I had Dallas ninth. 
Yeah, so I had them just had out. Enough, yeah. But still, like they've looked a lot worse than we expected. Absolutely. But one team I want to focus on in particular, just real quick, is the Washington Wizards. Thank God you didn't say the Celtics. No. <laughs> I mean, the Celtics have dealt with... They've underperformed as well, but they're not panicking. Washington need to panic. They're 2-8. and eight. So, like, a lot of key people can say, and I wrote about this earlier in the week on um, SCN.com.au, that the Pacers have kind of... They're, they're not, they don't need to panic, but... I don't like the direction they're going. A lot of people had them as top four coming into the yeah, start of the year. But you look at the paces, like, and they're still, I think they're six and six at the moment. So they're at 500. So they've got time to figure it out. If you look at Washington, they're two and eight. Right. Like, you can't really, can you come back from two and eight with the team, if to, to even make a top, eight, like the, the eight seed or the seven seed? I don't know, because you look at their team, like, Bradley Bill's injured. What's new? Like, he's always injured. Um, Ian Mahimi, one of their um, big money signings in the offseason, hasn't played yet. John Wall's playing well. He's literally doing everything you could ask for him. But after that, like, it just seems like a disaster. I mean, Otto Porter's playing okay. That's probably the only God positive. God Tut's looking all right. Yeah, but, like, he's not someone that moves the needle. It's not oh, like God, he's looking no. better than last year. I mean, you, speaking of God Tut, like, during the week, he said they've got the worst bench in the league. Like he said it himself, said we've got the worst bench in the league. You saw in the off season, you had John Rule and Bradley Bill saying they don't really like each other. These messages, but we've known that for a while as well. We have, but you and get, it doesn't help that Bill's making however much more than than Wall. Exactly, and you have <laughs> you have these messages out of a team, and you just feel like there's not there's something not right there. The culture's not great, but you would have thought the culture might have helped with the uh, with the coaching change. But again. It goes further than that. It goes to front office. Yeah, it doesn't, it, ma- it doesn't matter just ask, change the coach. You got to change was everything it, about the. Uh, was the there, was the Scotty Brooks hiring just a last ditch attempt? A last ditch attempt at Durant. Like you got to. I don't know. Maybe, I'd yeah. say it definitely played a factor. Just back on Gortat's comment about their bench. You look at someone like Trey Burke, who's brought in to be John Wall's backup. Now, when Trey Burke's been on the court this year. The Wizards have been outscored by 24.9 points per 100 possessions, which is ridiculously bad. Like, it's hard to be that bad. When he's off the court, they're actually outscoring teams by 1.8 points per 100 possessions. So not a massive out there, not a massive, like, outscoring, but when you compare, they're nearly 25 points worse when he's on the court. It's just, it's mind-boggling, that number. They're, they're starting an undrafted guy out of Miami in Sheldon McCullen. Like, the, the roster is just... It's not good. Like guys like Andrew Nicholson and Jason Smith, who were brought in to help the bench in the offseason. I mean, Andrew Nicholson got a DMP coach's decision the other day. There's something I just don't like this team. I, I honestly so Sadoransky's no good either. Uh Sadoransky's been okay. But then again, like he's already he's already overtaken Trey Burke in their rotation. Yeah. Which like you look at that, you're like, do you want that to happen? I like Sadoransky. Oh, he's been good. He's he been okay. Some glimpses, man. But like, I mean you He's not going to do much to help you. This team should be better than two and eight. Oh, for sure, it should be, but it's not. Saying that, I don't think I had him very high, but I think I, I didn't have him in the playoffs. No. Yeah, but even like they were a team that were hard to gauge how good they were going to be because yeah. you look at their roster and they should be good. Yeah, their backcourt. What did we say? The, the top. Well, you look at four yeah. or five. I in mean, the league it's went hard. healthy. We, yeah, and that's the problem. Went healthy. Like Bill's Big never if. healthy. He's yeah. never healthy. And even a guy like Kelly Oubre. He's getting lowered minutes at the moment. He's struggling to find his footing in the league. Only a second-year player, so he can figure it out. But at the moment, he's struggling. I just look at this Wizards team, and I mean, they turn the ball over a lot. They don't pass a lot. They always have de- defensive breakdowns. I don't know. There's something isn't something's not right there that I think 
you want to start roaring. They lost to the Sixers today, minus Joel Embiid, and there's actually this picture of a young Wizards fan crying in the crowd. <laughs> I saw that actually. So, I mean, you got to feel for them. <laughs> the young fans out there, they're doing it tough in the Wizards' colours, and maybe something's got to change up top, uh, upstairs in the front office, in ownership. Whatever it is, something has to change. You know it's not going to be the coach because they just signed Scotty Brooks to a large deal. I mean, something's got to change. We'll see what it is. Let's move on to the starting five. On the SEN NBA podcast, the starting five. So last week, we started a segment called the starting five where we have a look at our top five players from each week. But we do it a little bit differently, Luke. So we started off with our starting five last week. Now, from then on in, we have to make at least one change to our starting five with a maximum of four changes. So every week, we have at least one person leaving and at least one person staying. The amount of changes you can make is up to you other than that, right? So last week, let's go through really quickly before we get this week's. Who was your starting five last week? What did we decide on? Last week, we settled on James Harden. So we're doing like a all-star game, so two guards and three forwards. So we had James Harden, DeMar DeRozan, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and Dwight Howard. Pretty solid team. That was our team last so, week. So, first of all, how many uh, emissions have you made this week? I've made week? two changes. Two changes. All right. And who are those changes, Luke? Uh, I think the first the first change, I've taken out Dwight Howard and put in Andrew Wiggins. And yep. we'll touch on the justifications in a minute. So, out Howard and in Andrew Wiggins. And this one, I feel really, really harsh. This I, one, I cannot believe you. I don't like me doing this, but I've taken out James Harden. James Harden. And put it in Jimmy Butler. Who's now, let, let me just, before we get on the team, the honourable mentions, Harden would be the sixth man. You've got someone like Anthony Davis, he's playing sensational. Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, Kemba Walker, all had amazing weeks. They're Are you just pissed off that I keep uh, campaigning him to be MVP? No. Oh, do you remember Is it just rubbing it in my the face? the start of the year in one of our demo podcasts that never went to air, I argued that James Harden is a better MVP candidate than Kawhi Leonard this year. And you and Chris disagreed with me. So I, then, I'm a James Harden fan. Since the season started, I've been harping on how good he is. No, and he's and been, you've been trying to cool me down a little bit. He's been unbelievable. But I just, I, I wanted to get Jimmy Butler in the team because I feel like Butler is playing unbelievably well. He, and people aren't realizing it. Butler's not getting noticed. And I looked at the team, and obviously I'm putting Butler as a guard. You, I guess you could even put Butler as a forward. Oh, absolutely. So you could. could put Butler as a four. Well, would, he play? would he predominantly play the three? He's, he's more the of a The three player, or the two. Yeah. But then do you take out LeBron or Durant? Which one? Yeah, no, neither. Exactly. So uh, it's it's very hard. Because <laughs> I didn't... You can't take out DeRozan. I mean, he's a leading scorer in the league. He's playing un- unbelievable basketball. So you've got to keep DeRozan in the team. Yes, look at Jimmy Butler. I look at the way they're using him. And they're using him in a bunch of different ways on the offensive end. They're using him in the post. They're using him as a facilitator. They're using him in isolation a lot, which is expected. They're using ball screens to get him open. So he's doing a lot on the offensive end. He's shooting 48% from the field and 44% from beyond the three-point arc, which are elite numbers. They are unbelievable numbers. He's averaging 24, 6, and 4. This week, he's had games of 39, 20, 37, 27 points. He's having big games. All Three of those four were wins, by the way. So they're winning as well. And from all accounts out of Chicago, he's matured a lot. So you had guys like... He's learning off D-Wade. He said it himself. D-Wade is teaching him a lot in the leadership side of things. So you look at Butler. He's always been known as this egotistical guy that you can't really get along with well. Well, now he's becoming more of a leader for more. Yeah, accounts. one thing that we failed to take into account when we we're thinking about the Bulls at the start of the year was the fact that the that Rondo and Wade are smart players, and that they were willing to give 
Butler the keys or, or, or allow yeah. Butler to keep the keys, saying this is his team. Is we're his coming team. on. We're going to help him. But this is still Jimmy yeah. Butler's team. That's a big thing because if they came in and said, no, look at how many All-Stars I've won. Look at how old I am. Look at how many championships I've won and tried to take over. That would have created a massive riff among the team. But they knew that in order for the team to be successful, they needed to give him the keys and play a supporting role. And they've both done that. And that's certainly helped the way that the Bulls have been playing. And that was a concern for the Bulls, wasn't it? We all had that concern. Whose team is this going to be? It's going to be just a bunch of alpha yeah. males. And it's going to be... And early on, it looked like D-Wade's team. Early on. Yeah, yeah. But you kind of see now, no, no, no. This is still Jimmy Butler's team. So I just look at the way he's been playing. And again, I, I feel really, really bad at taking out James Harden. So J- James Harden is on a team that is six and five at the moment. They're they're eighth. The Bulls are in, seven and four. That's true, but they're they're eighth in the division. They have they haven't got a strong list. If you look at anyone else on the list, who will be the second best player for for the Rockets at the moment? Mm, at the moment, you could probably say. I mean, Eric Gordon's playing okay. I mean, Beverly when he gets back, probably. But I know they don't have that second superstar. That you they need. don't. He's still averaging 28.7 points per game, and he's still leading the league in assists, 12.6, which is almost three better than Russell Westbrook. And I know the way that we do the starting five is it's the best player each week, but the Rockets are still playing at a good level, and Harden is still playing at a good level, but that's why it is so hard to create the starting five, because there are always more than five players who deserve a spot. That's how just that's how strong the league is. That's how deep the superstars in this league go. So and the every one, now and then we're going to have to leave someone out. That's, that's the fun of it. The one game that... Lost me on Harden was today's game or Thursday's game for the listeners. They lost to OKC. Not about the loss, but he had 13 points, six turnovers, and he shot four or 16. Now, he still had his 13 assists, but he had that bad game. Butler didn't have that bad game this week. Yeah, good point. So that was my justification there. Why didn't we record this on Wednesday like always? (laughs) It'd still be in there. Well, we had circumstances. I couldn't get that done. Chris Paul's a guy that I think is going to be in this team sooner rather than later. People don't realize Chris Paul, he is playing unbelievable. The Clippers is a whole He is playing, playing probably the best in his career at the moment. Yeah. He's been unbelievable. What do you think has changed for the Clippers? Why they, Why does it all of a sudden seem to make sense? And obviously, I don't want to look too much into the regular season. They're like my uh, San Jose Sharks. I'm a big ice hockey fan. And after a, after a few years of, of making the conference finals and making, making the playoffs and just bombing out when they've had the best regular season in however many years, they couldn't just get it done in the playoffs. So it got to the stage where... You just couldn't care. You couldn't invest your time into the regular season because regardless of how good you went, there was always that feeling that you were going to fail in the playoffs, right? So that's why I'm not taking so much into... I'm not investing a lot of uh, my emotions into the Clippers in the regular season. they got to get it done in the postseason. But saying that, they are looking fantastic. They're looking the best they have in a very, very long time. What do you think has changed? What's been the biggest change for the Clippers? I don't know if there's actually been much change. I think we've maybe discounted the importance of continuity. I mean, you look at the teams. like I certainly have. I, I feel like a lot of us have. Like This team has been, this core of, you look at their core, it's Paul, Griffin, Jordan, and JJ Redick as well. I put in the core because he's an unbelievable starting two guard. They've been together for a long time. This is, I think, the sixth year that Chris Paul's been there. So it's the sixth year of Paul, Griffin, and Jordan. That's a long time. And the biggest change has been on the defensive end. They've ramped it up defensively. I mean, they're getting a bunch of steals and they're a bunch of turnovers. So they're forcing a bunch of turnovers and they're running off those turnovers and getting easy baskets in transition. Um, their switches are on time. Their rotations are on time. They're, they're hounding the ball handler. So their defense has definitely been the upgrade. But maybe we just discounted this team. We 
I think Blake Griffin's taken a massive step up again on the defensive end. He's a lot. You watch him on defense. He's a lot smarter. He knows what he's doing defensively. And he's a lot calmer outside of the game as well. Yeah, he's, he's not punching his emotions in check. Yeah, yeah, he's not punching anyone. I think, like, I still believe this team will be um, judged by what they do in the playoffs. I still think that's important to say. But then again, like, look at last year. They didn't have Paul and Griffin in that first round. If they have those in that first round against Portland, they win. And they move on to the second round. Maybe could they knock off Golden State with a hobbled Curry in the second round? Who knows? And then the whole perception changes around the Clippers. But I just feel, I mean, their bench is playing a bit better. Is playing a lot better. Is it sustainable? I don't know. With guys like Raymond Fountain and Moe Bates, can they keep this high level up, especially defensively again? We've just got to wait and see. But, I mean, they're 10-1. They're actually playing in progress as we're recording this, so it could be eleven and one or ten and two. Either way, they're still going to do an amazing start. We've got to take they're the best team in the league at the moment. Within the first two, three weeks, if you say who's the best team, regardless of what happened in the offseason, just if you just started watching the NBA from October twenty sixth, say who is the best team? Right now it's the Clippers. Yeah, big time. Anything else to add before we move on? Uh just quickly on Wiggins, who oh, I've put yes. into my team. He looks so, so good. He looks like the number one pick now. I mean, he's always been great, but the greatest concern on Wiggins was has he got that killer instinct on the offensive end? It looks like he's got it. He's coming into his own. He's so athletic, right, where he can get to his spots against opposing two guards and opposing small forwards who sometimes guard him so easily. He can create space, and then when he rises up, he's got a high release point, and he's hitting his jump shot so effectively at the moment. He's taken it to the basket. He's added a three-point shot. And if he if that three-point shot is sustainable, then his game goes to a whole other level. Defensively, he's still figuring it out. He's still figuring out how to put all his tools together. But his offense, like you saw it in the 47-point um, effort against the Lakers. He was just taking over. He's taking over games on a team that has Anthony Towns, who's still playing really good. And Levine, who's still playing pretty well as well. Now, the Wolves aren't winning as much as people thought. I didn't have them in the playoffs. I still don't. So they're not winning as much. But I look at the way Wiggins is playing, and he's just, he's his offensive game sensational. One of the podcasts I was listening to in the past week, and you might be able to help me out which one it was, because I can't remember, because there's just so damn yeah. many of them. Uh, someone was saying that when Wiggins got drafted, he was the most athletic shooter that he's ever seen. He's the most athletic shooter of all time. In the history of the NBA, I so that was, no one who might have been shoot was athletic as Andrew on the Wiggins Ringer was NBA. It was might Kevin, have been. It was either the Ringer or the Zach Lowe post, uh, one of them. Post that I was actually listening to on the way up. So that's it, how good this guy. That's how highly regarded yeah. he is because not only can he shoot, or not only not only is he athletic, he can shoot as well. Oh, unbelievable. So it's hard to well. stop someone like that. So I, he's been awesome. So that's why I've put him in the team over Dwight Howard. He had a bit of a down week. He's been been injured now. So yeah, it's a bit unfortunate on Dwight's part, but yeah, I think that's our team this week. Um, see what happens next, and obviously, like we don't need justifications on Durant, LeBron, or DeRozan because we know how good they're playing. Yeah, big time. All right, so let's move on to another segment that we started up last week called "You're Wrong." Right, we want to keep people accountable, Luke. Yes, we want to have a look at uh, certain comments that were made by journalists throughout the week, or or certain comments made by uh, sporting fans, just kind of the Twitter world and, yeah, the, and the online consensus world, the general out consensus there. of a certain topic. We want to tell people why they're wrong about certain things, Luke. So let me hear your uh, nomination for this week. So mine isn't on an individual person or anything like that. It's just a consensus view, consensus view excuse me, that I got today while frol- uh, scrolling, excuse me, 
on Twitter after the Indiana Pacers defeated the LeBron James Cleveland Cavaliers. Yep. Now, this game that they have lost makes them, in the past three years or since LeBron returned, they're 4-16 and 16 in games where he doesn't play, which we know is really bad. Like, no, 4-16. and 16. The numbers speak for themselves. So, it's got those a lot of people saying how no LeBron, no Cavs, one-man team, blah, blah, blah. Now, I want to tell those people, it's hard. When you've got LeBron James on your team, and the Cavs GM, David Griffin, has been quoted on this. I can't know, can't remember the exact quote, but it's something along the lines of, when you've got LeBron, you've got to be really delicate in the way you build a team around him. So you look at the Cavs built of a team. They've got LeBron there, who's obviously at a focal point for everything they do. they got the two all-stars helping him in Irving and Love. And then after that, there's not really a lot of, there's, not a lot of, there's no playmakers. It's guys who catch and shoot guys, strong defenders, Smart basketballers, veteran guys, but no one there that's gonna that's gonna create for themselves a dribble who can take over a game offensively. When you take LeBron out of that lineup for one game on a second night of a back to back against a Pacers team that's been struggling but are always tough to play in Indiana, Cavs are coming off a really close and tough game against the Raptors the night before. You had Tyler throwing out lineups with DeAndre Liggins and K Fowler, even Chris Anderson got some minutes. It's hard. Like, it, it, you take out that one focal point of everything for one random game, of course they're not going to look good. I mean, look at the... Kev and Kyrie had awesome games. But there's, and the Cavs competed hard against the Pacers in that game. I think they ended up going down, I think it was 12 points or 10 points in the end. You watch the game, they, they, they were within like five points in the second half. They could have run it. They could have won. Of course, the execution wasn't great. But just because if you had LeBron not there for an entire season and they had a training camp without him, then it's different. Then you can get a better read on this team without LeBron. Personally, I would still say there may be a third or fourth seed in the East without him. But to just say it's a one-man team and no Cavs, no LeBron from these individual snippets of game. And he had that um, stretch back two years ago when he missed about, I think it was 11 games. And the Cavs were something like... He missed 11 or 9 games. And I think the Cavs only won 1 or 2 games in that stretch. That's bad. But you look at from this season and last season, you can't just take these one individual games and make a drawing conclusion onto that. So to all you Cavs doubters... You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. All right. So let's move on to mine. You've got one, Chris. All right. So... You know and love Brian Scalabrine just as much as I do, right? Who doesn't love him? Everyone loves him. Former Boston Celtic, former champion, right? Yeah. The Boston Celtics. Current uh, color commentator on the Celtics on CSN. Exactly. He was being interviewed on Satellite Radio on Sirius XM earlier on the week, and he gave us a, a bit of insight about what the Boston Celtics might be doing. And he mentioned a rumor that he had heard that Clay Thompson might be in a, a deal to go to the Boston Celtics in exchange for Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, and the 2017 Nets first-round pick. All right? Mm. Big news. This is someone who's very close to the Boston Celtics, right? He's essentially a part of the organization. So when you hear that someone like Brian Scalabrine heard this, then you assume that there's some sort of semblance of truth to it. Even a little bit. It might not happen, but at least there's been talks about it. No, that's not no. the case at all. He just read it on yeah. some sort of forum. They got it from another forum. They got it from another forum. Just something he read. <laughs> yeah. That it was essentially just someone saying, hey, what if this happened? Wasn't from any reliable source. Wasn't from the club. 
It was just something that he read on a forum that said, hey, what what if this happens? This might work for both teams, which it, it would. And I, if, I'm a Celtics fan. I don't want that to happen at all. And I don't think the Golden State Warriors would particularly do it either. <laughs> but no saying way. that, Brian Scalabrine. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. I can't believe he did that. Yeah, it was. <laughs> how, did, how do these people realize? I think most people, when they saw if it, it's they, not from Woj, just yeah, don't bother. Think, if you don't get it from inside the club. And I thought that's what he did. And I think most people just assumed, as soon as he mentioned it, that he got it from inside the Celtics. He's talking to Danny Ainge. He'd passed Danny Ainge in the corridor. Yeah. I think uh, most people, when they saw the headline, they kind of laughed it off. But some people got onto it. It's just, I think Clay or it might have been Steve Kerr, they actually got asked about it and they just, they laughed it off. Like they... They said, and there's nothing to see here, guys. So his tweet was, by the way, it's not my rumor or my sources. It's just something I read over the week that I thought was interesting. So, yeah. It's just pointless That's... bit of information that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. What's the point of reporting it if you well, knew exactly. it wasn't even a Why real source? Why would you report it if there was nothing to it? Hey, I heard this, that it's not going to happen and it doesn't make sense, but hey, check it here out. it is. And you know, in this 24-7 age of social media and, and the news cycle, it was going to get caught on. And people were going to notice it, and it was going to make headlines, which it has because we're talking about it. Exactly, exactly. But I still love him, and he's still one of my favorites. <laughs> there you and go. his memes are the best memes <laughs> in NBA. He's there the best go. NBA related memes of all time. So last week, Lukey, we're going to move on here. Last mm-hmm. week, uh, we started a segment called "Say Something Nice About the Nets." Right? It was an idea that I came up with a few weeks ago, but last week was the first time that we actually started it up. Yeah, because coming into the season, I thought, you know what? There's going to be a lot of negative talk about the Brooklyn Nets because there's not much to look forward to if you're a Nets fan. There's not much on the roster. They haven't got their draft picks for the next couple of years. It's just a very down franchise at the moment. So I thought, well, what if we just gave the Nets something to look forward to each week and had a two-minute segment where we just talk about something nice, not being yep. smartasses, not being yep. anything like that, saying something genuinely positive to look for if you're a Nets fan. Yeah. The Nets have gone really well this year, Luke. <laughs> they have exceeded The Nets are going so well that already. they could almost... It looks like at certain stages that they could get to keep their first-round pick. They could finish above the Celtics. That's the way that it's been looking at some yeah. stages. It's not going to happen, obviously. No. But that's how it's looked at some stages this year. They've been playing really good. The Celtics haven't. So we're not going to do that segment anymore. No. Because they're, they're too good. They're too good for right? the segment. So what we're going to do is we're starting up a new segment called The Bright Side. Right? Yep. Where we're going to talk about anyone or any team... This is really struggling. Say something nice about it. And this is our intro. I always look on the bright side of life. Always look on the light side of life. So we're looking on the bright side of life yeah. for some struggling teams or some struggling individuals, Luke. We wanna yeah. we wanna bring hope and we wanna bring happiness. To certain franchises who might be struggling. So, this week, Luke, who is your nomination for the bright side? Who who so, are you, who are you who do you want to give a pump up? I'm looking at the Sixers, and now you talk about the Sixers. You're talking about Joel Embiid, who's been he looks so much better than anyone could have anticipated from the get go. But without him, the Sixers have looked like the Sixers. They've looked horrible. But look on the bright side for the Sixers. They won a game today without him. So they won. They bet the Wizards, who we talked about earlier, who were not good. But the Sixers won a game without Joel Embiid, and that's important. It's big. And off of that, I feel like people have forgotten that Joel Okafor is a good player. Like The kid can play. Yes, he's not good defensively, 
But he's very, very skilled on the offensive end and in the post. And I feel like with all the hype about Embiid and even other bigs around the league like Towns and Davis, Okafor's been kind of... He's obviously a step behind those guys. He's a level below him. But I feel like people have forgotten that this guy is good. I mean, he got drafted a pick before Porzingis. So a lot of people look at that comparison. And obviously, Porzingis has been awesome. But I just feel like Okafor gets forgotten sometimes. And let's not forget, like, after about two to three months last year, he was being, he was probably tops on the um, Rookie of the Year candidate boards. And then obviously Towns took it away. But Okafor was up there, like, to start the season. The kid can play. So I just, I thought that was really, that, that was interesting that a lot of people have kind of ridden him off already. And, Will he get tra- will he get traded, excuse me? Yeah, maybe. Maybe he's the one that out of um him or Noel. Maybe Okafor's the one that gets moved. But I just feel like there's still a very bright future ahead of him. So he ended up coming fifth in rookie of the year yeah. voting. So he did fall off a little bit in the year. How many did he he would have been at the top just about for points per game for rookies that year, wouldn't he? I remember he he was yeah, a fantastic scorer. So. Yeah. He doesn't have range, but his post game was was fantastic for someone his age. Yeah, and it still is. His post game's incredible, and you saw that in college as well. So for Sixers fans, just have a look that, yes, Embiid is your... He's amazing. <laughs> he is sensational. But you won today without him. So that's a positive there. And look, I like the Sixers. I wrote an article, and I probably... I said this in the article when I wrote it, that it was I was probably going a little bit too early. But after their first game, they certainly showed signs that they are a fun team to watch. Yeah, they're, they're fun. They're not going to win many games this year, but there's certainly things to look forward to when you're watching the 76ers, if you are a 76ers fan. Definitely. And obviously Embiid's one of them, but there are plenty of good talent there. And hopefully, like, I don't know what's going to happen with Noel or Okafor trade-wise, because you'd assume they'd have to get rid of at least I one of them. one of them will be gone They've got a very, season. very yeah. crowded front court. Yeah. And they need to get rid of someone, and you don't know who they're going to get in return for them. Whose who's value is more? Do you, would you say Noel has, has more value, or would um, Okafor have more I value? I think it really depends on which team you're dealing with. So if you need an offensive weapon off the bench... You go for Okafor. If you need a defensive enforcer and an energy guy, you go for Noel. So it really depends on who who approaches the Sixers saying, we want this guy really badly or we want this guy really badly. It all depends, but I just feel like uh, based on raw talent and just talent alone, I would personally take Okafor. Me too. Personally, Me but too. it's very close because obviously Okafor's really bad on the defensive end. Yeah. Like he can't guard anyone. Yeah. And he's not very athletic. But I just feel like I feel like he has a higher ceiling than Noel does. Yeah, good point. Any more thoughts before we move on? I'm good. All right, let's move on to the most sporadically uh, given out award in NBA history. It's our Colt Rookie of the Year Award. It's the most prestigious honour in the world of NBA. And now it's time to announce this week's nomination for the Colt Rookie of the Year. So it's called... The, the, well, you heard in that we it's our weekly award. Really, it's just whenever we find someone that we like. Yeah, because it's not we'll going to be it someone every, be every week. week. So whenever we find someone that we to like... Find. So I wrote an article a couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> it's up on the SEN website, SEN.com.au. If you hit the SEN America banner at the top right-hand corner of the homepage, you'll be able to find it somewhere along there. And on my Twitter account as well, at Christos Tyler. I wrote an article uh, talking about the cult rookie of the year, which is something that uh, that we're both very keen on the idea of, yeah. Luke. 
and there's certain rules for the cult rookie of the year uh, that make someone eligible. So it can't be someone. It can't be a rookie that got drafted in the first. Let me just go through. I've got, I've got the article up here. All right, here we go. Let me these are get, the guidelines. These are the rules. All right. So obviously they have to be a first year NBA player. Hence the word rookie. rookie. All right. Rule number two: they can't be drafted in the lottery. So if you're top 15 pick, you don't get classified because you're not a cult. You, you, yeah. you're, you're a superstar. All right. Rule number three: they cannot be a former ESPN top 100 player unless they sign with the mid-major program. That, that's a very interesting rule. It is. Number four, they can't have played for a major conference team unless they graduated prior to being drafted. So they can't be a one and done and then fell out of the lottery. Yeah. Can't do that. You have to play four years. If you're going to play for a major conference team, you have to make sure that yeah, you go there for four years. Otherwise, you, 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 don't, uh, you don't make it. And that's it, right? And the point system, we'll just run through really quickly because this, this is kind of boring, but we'll, we'll run through really quickly. You get two points if a candidate is undrafted. You get two points if they're a four-year player. You get one point if they're a second-round selection, one point if they played for a mid-major team, one point if they are an international player or played internationally before coming to the NBA, one point if the candidate looks like he went to school with you. So my boy, Ron <laughs> Baker, he just looks like someone that's from Greensboro. Well, there you go. He just—he could be one of my best mates. He doesn't look like an NBA player specifically. You <laughs> know what I mean? So yes, I like yes. that. So if you're a cult player, you get a point for, for looking like a, you, someone just would have gone to school with you. And one point for if the candidate has a great name, who the next one might have gotten a point for this. And bonus points for every inch, one point for every inch that they're either over 7'2 or under 6'2. Right. So we love the really tall guys. We love the really short guys. And we have a fascinating... And I don't, I don't even know how I missed this guy when I was coming out with my final five. A, a really solid contender for the Colt Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I mean, before we start talking about him, I might, he does miss out on one of the rules because he was in ESPN Top 100. All right, let's get rid of that rule then. That's stupid. I feel like that rule is very, very hard. What was he? He was 24th in ESPN Top 100, and okay. he played in the McDonald's All-American game. Oh, let's say let's say not 20 then. No, let's just take away that rule. I feel like that's... We're just going on the fly It's here. really, really hard to find it is. It really is. Play, NBA players who weren't in... This is coming out of high school, remember? Yep. A lot of guys come out of high school very highly ranked and then have a massive drop-off yep. in college. Yep, yep, yep. So... I'll allow this one because I like it so much. Yeah. I'm going to be very lenient. It's not... Yeah, it's not... These aren't strict rules. <laughs> I can be like persuaded of, on most things. Have a bit of fun. Um, Yogi Ferrell, he went undrafted out of Indiana, played four years at, at Indiana. He's 5'11", and he's put up double-digit points in the last two games he's played with the Brooklyn Nets. So with our point system, if he's at 5'11", I had him at 6'4". If he's 5'11", Well, this is on his points. recruiting page. So he was 5'11". I'm at 6'4", so maybe on he... Wikipedia. Okay, that's, so that's maybe the he's growing. Right, he's so he's six foot on ESPN's NBA page. He was 5'11 on the high school let's page. Let's say he's so he's grown. Then. He's grown. He's okay. grown. He's a big boy now. Yeah. So he's got seven points, which is massive. Yeah, that's a lot of points. That's in a lot the of system. points. And a lot he, of points. He's a definite worthy contender for the Colt Rookie. Yeah, I mean, you look at him. He's a guy. He's um he's really fast. I mean, that was his biggest strength coming out of college. He's quick. He can get up and down the he can get up and down the floor in an instant, even with when he's got the ball, even when he's got hasn't got the ball. He's a spark plug. He's not. He's not a great. He's not a good defender. He's not a very good defender at this stage. But he's a guy that he's an energy guy. He's a yeah, spark he's a solid bench player. You put he's him in. Be put a him in for five starter. to ten. You put him in for five to ten minutes, and he can score. I mean, you saw it. He had thirteen points in twenty six minutes against the Clippers, and eleven points in nineteen minutes against the Lakers. So he can score. He's going to get his shots up. Um, I like. I like him as a contender. For the cult, he's definitely a cult. Look at his name, Yogi Ferrell. It's a very yeah, he definitely gets fun a point name. For Yogi, fun name, Yogi. Um, he's he's one of those guys when you watch 
that you feel almost inspired by. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like the, it's in the Kay Felder mold. Kay Felder's yeah. another one of these guys that uh, was one of our finalists for the Cold Rookie of the Year when I uh, wrote the article. Soft finalists, they're not finalists. They're just Correct. Guys. Correct. Guys that we, could We just win wanted it. to put guys in there yeah. for the end of the year. We'll come up with our favorite for the year. It's not going to be, like, like I said, it's going to be very loose the way that we decide it. I'll put one of the guys in just because I kind of I kind of made the rules around who I wanted to be in the, well, there we the, go. the starting five. <laughs> So it's very loose. So, like, I just um, wanted my boy Ron Baker to make a make an appearance. Well, if Ron go. Baker, by the way, is listening to this and wants to come on the show, hit us up on Twitter at SC in America. Maybe because we listening. want you on Ron <laughs> or Yogi or okay anyone LeBron <laughs> anyone. Hey, if they want to jump on, getting not that hard to. We'll squeeze you in. Yeah, we, we can get you in. We're pretty flexible for five or ten minutes. Yeah, we can find a segment somewhere. Yeah, we we, we have to get to most of these segments each week. But, yeah, you know, we, we want to make we, we can squeeze five or ten yeah. minutes in just for. for but no, for, um. Yogi, Yogi Ferrell, he's maybe at the Nets, he'll get some more playing time as the season goes on, but he is, he's playing well. I mean, his last four games, he's had double-digit minutes, so he's getting a good run. Maybe he's, maybe, it's funny how many guys you see go undrafted, and within two or three weeks, they just, they find a home. Yeah. They find a niche, and they say in the NBA, whereas you can have someone who's in, look at the Kings, their three top draft picks this year are all currently playing in the D-League. Yeah. So like... It's funny how obviously they're young and you can't really judge them after you got to wait maybe one or two years, or probably more than two, maybe three or four. But it's just funny how some guys don't get drafted, but within a week or two of the season, they've got a home already and they've got a role. You have some guys in the first round who struggle to find that for years. Yeah, It's just funny how it works sometimes. There's a big thing about the fact that there are a lot more undrafted players than there are first-rounders or second-rounders. Yeah, it's, I mean... Oh, There's more could, of a chance... We could go through the in. list of all-stars who've come out of the second The biggest round. busts are certainly more uh, more common through undrafted yeah. players rather than... And the even that that word of busts has been brought up a little bit this week because Greg Oden... Greg Oden. That was very harsh, his comments to himself, saying yeah. he's a bust. I mean, I don't think he's a bust because you Me can't neither. be a bust if you never had a chance to actually show what you can do on the If floor. your body's breaking down on you, Nothing there's you not much do. you can do. Exactly, exactly. And then when he did play, he looked good. Yeah. He put up some decent numbers when he yeah. was on the court. Exactly. I mean, I feel like... If you're, if you're, if you're a, a Bennett yeah. for the Cavs, so Bennett's had chances. a bust. Yeah, so he's yeah not good. Um, Big, even, biggest biggest number one bust? I would say so. People would like to say Kwame Brown, but I look at Kwame, him. Yeah. He'd never lived up to the status of a number one pick, but he was in the league for about oh, 10, 11 years from memory. Yeah. So he was constantly wanted. He constantly found a home. You go and back found to certain role. things, like especially with Greg Oden, you, you look back to the time, and it, most people would have said the consensus number one pick was Greg Oden, right? And that's generally. Oh, definitely. I think that's important to take into account when you're thinking about a bust, is that. If you if if the team was going to do it all over again, would they select that pick? Yeah, Bennett wasn't projected to be number one by that anyone. Was, I remember that day. I was absolutely. If you listen to the draft, Bill Simmons was as shocked as everyone else. It he, was. He said, wow. Yeah. He said, wow. <laughs> Every, no, no one could believe it. No. No one. Like it was. That had all to make. That was a terrible draft, by the way. Yeah, it terrible, was a really terrible draft. draft. Just quickly on Brown, I mean, yeah, he played eleven seasons. He averaged, what? What did he average over his career? Just under seven points, just under five and a half rebounds. Like, he shot 49% from the field. So he was almost a 50% shooter for his so career. Take more shots. Like, yes, he was never a number one pick. Like, he never lived up to the status of a number one pick. Played for about six, seven teams. But you look at him, like, 
Oh, I, I don't know. Would you still consider him a bust, considering he played seven, 11 years in the league, which is incredibly hard to do to play seven, 11 years in the NBA, and still manage to carve out a role? I mean, albeit a small one. Would you still say he's a bust? Yes. So, Kwame Brown was number one. Tyson Chandler was number two. Okay. So you miss out on Tyson Chandler. So that 2001 draft from memory? Yep. Yep. Pau Gasol was number three. Okay. <laughs> Solid player. Joe Johnson was was number 10th. Yep. All was number, stars. Was all number stars. 10th. Was number 10. Yes. Zach Randolph was number 19. Okay, so there's a lot of all-stars in front of him. Gerald Wallace, 25. Yep. Tony Parker, 28th. Jason Richardson was fifth. You had a nice career. Gilbert Arenas, 31. Richard Jefferson was in this draft. Mehmet Okafor, 38. Yeah. Tony Parker was in the I mean, draft. Shane Battier at six. Shane Battier was sixth. Yeah. There's some solid players, man. Very good. Some Brian solid players. Brian Scalabrini was in this draft, oh, boy. of course. The newsbreaker. Um, <laughs> the newsbreaker. Earl Watson, the current coach of the Phoenix Suns. So, yeah. I mean, that, that's another thing when talking about bust. You look, look at the guys who picked, like, who was picked after them to say who you missed out on. So, yeah, you could probably say, at the end of the day, Kwame was probably a bust. But I think it's a bit harsh. Just because he played 11 years in the league, incredibly hard to do. Maybe I'm being too too easy on him, but who knows? Fair enough. Hey, that brings us to the end of the show today. We've run out of time. Beautiful. Well, it was a good one. Always is. Always is. Thanks we'll for joining Luke. Next week. We will, and we'll be back on the Wednesday as well. So make yep. sure it's, it's normally a Wednesday. We apologize for the changing dates. Luke's just got, he got some stuff coming up, and you're just too busy for, for this show sometimes, which no. is a bit disappointing. And I'm, if you were really committed, you would have been here, but. Committed to the well, NBA podcast. I don't think you are, but that's all right. Nah, very committed. Don't worry about that. Where can we find all your stuff? You're at Luke Sicari on Twitter. You're at right, Luke You're right for SC in America. You're right for everyone. We say it every <laughs> week. So make sure you hit up at SC in America to read all your articles. There's pretty much one every, what, three hours? <laughs> I try to get maybe about three or four three NBA hour. content out per week on SEN America. It's definitely worth um, it. You can also catch me and yourself on Sunday Sports Central with Brett Phillips. Generally about quarter to five. About quarter to five every yeah. Sunday. If you want more NBA chat, everyone wants Who more NBA like? chat. You can tune in there. A little bit of an SEN America hour in that portion of Sunday as well. And the NFL, yeah. You have the NFL boys, boys come in who do their great, great previews of the, the week ahead. So listen, even Lockie Miller's got to run on there if the flag fire flag, flag fires possibly making a return in the future. We're putting a big team here, so make sure you follow us. Yeah, let us know what you think. Yeah, download all of our podcasts and uh, give us feedback. We love it. Give us feedback and, and ask us questions. We didn't get any questions this we week. Didn't get questions. Ask us questions. Use the hashtag we'll SCNME right. podcast and ask us questions. We'll answer yeah, them. Yeah, we'll answer them. Beautiful. Thanks, guys. Check you next week. To keep up to date with the latest American sports news and interviews from around SEN, follow SEN America on Twitter at SEN America and on Facebook at facebook.com slash SEN America. Napa know-how. There are lots of amazing cars on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid-off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa Know-How. Napa Know-How.